With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Tanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me following Mike Zimmer's press availability is ESPN's Courtney Cronin. What is up, Courtney? We are past the halfway point of the season. There's been no shutdown. I can't believe it. I think that this is um, obviously today with all the coronavirus cases that are breaking out. Green Bay had some. The Vikings are still in their intensive protocol. Baltimore had some. Arizona. Um, I figured it's kind of where we would be at this point, but I honestly felt like the season was not going to make it eight straight weeks. So I'm just honestly thrilled that we have cru- like cruised past the halfway point of the season and, you know, another eight weeks to go and, uh, or longer than that, because the, you know, there's a week 18 coming up here at some point, but, um, feeling good about it. Really feeling like the NFL has like done a pretty good job by and large. And containing the outbreaks post-Tennessee Titans has been a huge deal. Uh, A.J. Dillon, the Packers running back, ends up with a positive test after yesterday, and we'll wait and see if there are any implications of that, if there are other positive tests and so forth. But that was always what Eric Sugarman told us, is that they knew people would test positive. It was just about containing that, making sure that other people didn't get it, that they limited any type of spread, that they limited how in close contact 
people who got it ended up being with their teammates by spreading out meetings, wearing masks, all those sorts of things. And it has worked for the most part. And I guess we'll hope again, as the Vikings play a team that has positive tests after that, we don't get uh, some bad news soon, especially Courtney, when it comes to trading players, you can't trade a guy on the COVID reserve list. So, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, are... <laughs> it just delays the inevitable. It's like, well, we're going to trade for him, but we're also going to work something in contractually because we don't want to pay him when he's not able to be on our active roster. I am just feeling less confident today in the idea that the Vikings will come anywhere close to a fire sale. Jeremy Fowler, your teammate at ESPN, reported that they would not be moving Adam Thielen. I was always skeptical of Mm -hmm. the idea that they would move Thielen or Harrison Smith because I think they want to be good in 2021. But if you don't move Anthony Harris and you do not move Riley Reef, um, big mistake, like give me a one to 10, how big of a mistake it is. Cause I think it is a mistake to come off of one game where you win to go two and five and your playoff odds only increase by a couple percent and say, okay, we're good now. We need to keep everyone. But is it a, That's the mentality. is it catastrophic mistake or would it be a small mistake? I just think it delays the inevitable and that you're going to have to take a step back here at some point. So why not the logic was, why not have it be now where it's going to be scratching and clawing to the finish line to get to 8-8, eight and eight, and will you get into the playoffs in 8-8? Eight and eight? Sure, but, like, because the expanded field this year, that would make sense given how many other bad teams there are out there. And, you know, one good game against uh, a Packers defense that has been suspect at best since the NFC Championship game and really hasn't made any sort of improvements there that are worth, you know, noting – um, doesn't change that, you know, you're still a team that has a lot of issues um, and a lot of problems that are not just going to get solved this season. So the way that I look at it, I'd probably give it like a seven because neither of those guys that you mentioned, Reef and would you say Rudolph? Uh, Anthony Harris, but Anthony Rudolph Harris. falls in his category. I, I thought I thought you said uh, Harris. None of those, neither of them, if we're thinking logically here, are going to be on your roster next year. So why not go ahead and unload their salary now and also get draft picks coming back to you like you know here's my my overall thought on the whole win situation and what it does for the trade deadline because I wrote that like there's not changing now like maybe they do one thing but they are not going to be active sellers and yes you you would think and, and I know that they went into this game you know kind of with like at least maybe not necessarily a plan in mind of like either way this is going to happen because clearly we haven't seen anything happen but they obviously had targets And they weren't actively shopping a whole bunch of guys, but they're listening. And they put feelers out there through, obviously, with Adam Schefter and the tweet in the uh, report yesterday about Anthony Harris. I mean, we've known that one since literally the day they franchised him and they didn't want him. So, I mean, um, that's obviously one. But, you know, the Adam Adam Thielen report that, you know, he's not being moved. I understand it. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it if you really are conceding to a rebuild. But they never wanted to publicly concede to this regardless. Like, even if it helps the long-term health of your roster, there are two people right now who are fighting for their job to keep their jobs. Even though they got three-year contract extensions, that's Mike Zimmer and that's Rick Spielman. I've kind of had some soul searching or what you would call it skull searching this morning. (laughs) Um, Just thinking about like, well, what does this actually do? What does this win mean? Because you look at the rest of their stretch, they've got four games against Chicago and Detroit. Both are very bad football teams and frauds personally uh, is what I think because we've seen how this is all played out. Um, 
you have a chance to get to seven and nine, eight and eight, and make the playoffs. Does that is it worth it at that point? Like honestly, I sometimes think that this ownership group is more content with quantity over quality. That they would rather see a bunch of playoff um, playoff appearances strung together in a series of a couple of years, even if it's a first round exit, than being one of the elite teams and actually contending for a Super Bowl. Like I don't think they honestly mind that this team goes to the NFC wildcard game, maybe makes it past there, maybe loses there. But, hey, you got a playoff appearance. It goes down in the record book as a playoff appearance. Um, and that's very easily what could happen this year because their schedule is very favorable and they should be able to manage it if they continue to play this way. But long-term health-wise of the roster, the win, if that changes their mindset, if they're not going to sell assets, the win does nothing for you. And it honestly probably hurts you down the line because a it's going to hurt you in draft positioning um you're probably not getting what the quarterback that you think that you want if if that's indeed the direction you're going to go but you know I can't when, when there are two people who are really fighting to prove that they deserve the extensions that they got like this is like the the ideal scenario for them to be like hell no we're doubling down we're, we're going to win now because we think we can so when I look at Football Outsiders' playoff odds, they have the Vikings at 8.1% of a chance. So that went up from about 3% last week, um, and they faced Detroit. So obviously a win against Detroit would bring both teams to 3-5. and five. That would up their playoff odds a bit. Uh, I don't really believe in Green Bay or Chicago as great teams, but the problem is when they talk about only losing those games by one point against Seattle and Tennessee, that's great, but you can't go back in time and change that in terms of the standings. Like, uh, even Mm -hmm. if you believe you're a little better than your record, which I'm not sure there's much evidence to really suggest that, but even if you believe that, you can't change it. Like, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden they go, okay, well, all right, we'll just change a win or loss here, there, and we'll get you into the playoffs. We'll sneak you in the back somehow. It doesn't work that way. Way. And just looking at the overall uh, you know, production of this team offensively and defensively, I'll just give you one simple measure because I think this sort of tells the story. In terms of how often the Vikings score per drive, they are 24th as an offense and they are dead last as a defense. So they allow opponents to score on the highest percentage of drives of anyone in the NFL. That does not say, while they're actually secretly good, it was just something we were all missing. It was close losses. It was bad bounces. There aren't any numbers to really back the idea that you could get hot and beat these other teams. And you just lost two weeks ago with the same roster. In fact, maybe a little worse roster now with some injuries. You just lost to Atlanta who was winless at the time. And so if you're telling me, well, we could just beat Detroit and beat Chicago and beat Jacksonville and beat Carolina, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it because you got a six-point win over the Green Bay Packers on a very game day. <laughs> yeah, a game that you low-key nearly lost there right. at the end. If, right. if Aaron Rodgers doesn't, you know, if they're able to get their offense set and he doesn't have to spike the ball, then, and if he doesn't get sacked, and I know these are a lot of what-ifs, I mean, reality happened, they didn't win, but... Had all those things happen, I think we're looking to see another, like, heartbreaking, devastating situation like Seattle. And even Mike Zimmer said that he was not confident that they had put the team away at all, especially with 56 seconds left or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, um, with Rodgers driving. 
Right. So you can play the game of, hey, well, we could almost be four and three, but you could almost be winless because both times that you won, the other team mm-hmm. had the ball with a chance to tie or go ahead. So we can do that little dance all day long. But the reality is your chances at the playoffs are very, very small at this moment. Here's another secret thing, too, about Riley Reef. And I like Riley Reef. I think he's very good. And I think that he'll be great for the Ravens or great for the Titans. But if Rashad Hill replaces Riley Reef, your wins for the rest of the season don't change. I wouldn't yeah. change how I would pick them. I wouldn't change anything about it. Now, one holdup, though, could be the potential prices here. There are a lot of sellers, and there are some buyers, um, but when there's a lot of sellers, the prices aren't necessarily high. And one of the trades that we had today was Desmond King, the cornerback from the Chargers, being traded for a sixth-round pick to the Tennessee Titans. And I wonder if that will be the holdup here, because if you remember, Mm -hmm. and I know you do, at draft time, the Vikings wanted a second-round pick for Anthony Harris, and no one was willing to give them a second-round pick for Anthony Harris. So if they've been calling around teams saying, give us a third for Riley Reef, give us a third for Anthony Harris, and they're saying, "Mm, how about a fifth? How about a sixth? How about a seventh? Then I could see them saying, well, it's not even worth it to move the guy. We might as well just play this out. Don't you remember that that was the exact same scenario that played out with the Trent Williams deal with yeah. Riley Reef? Yep. I mean, they wanted a, what was it, a third? And they were, like, being offered, like, I think as high as a fourth. And, you know, that's why that whole thing fell through. And I just think that you can't you can't get I, – I think we should think of this in, like, in the sense that we need to kind of preface it the way that we speak about it. Rick Spielman's going to do what he needs to do to keep his job. It's not going to make sense to – it's not – like, common sense doesn't always apply because people are trying to keep their jobs. Like, common sense would tell you that you shouldn't have given Kirk Cousins an extension. Well, you're trying to keep your job because you need to create salary cap space, try to lower, you know, the load this year and think, okay, like, we can rely on things that we just aren't sure are going to pan out. Like, so I think when you look at this, and realistically, if they get, like – you know, should they get be able to get more than a six round pick for Riley Reef? You'd like to think so, but when you're looking at it through like the common sense standpoint, like would you take that? You know, if I'm trying to rebuild and I'm trying to make this roster better long term, yes. But the, his job's on the line. That's why I don't think that like you know when when it, you know if there's offers, if we find out you know from people in a couple days like oh they did have somebody call about Riley Reef, they did have somebody call about Anthony Harris, maybe even. Um, you know, Tajay Shar, Pat Elfline, any any of the lower tier potential, you know, guys who are on the trading block and they just don't do it, it's not going to surprise me at all because I just don't think that this front office is wanting to get really gutsy and make trades, especially now that they know, like, hey, we saw, you know, we have a window here. We can actually do this. Whether they can or can't, I think is like the next part of the conversation, but they at least see the opportunity and the optics behind being able to kind of continue this thing going after getting a pretty huge win on Sunday. Well, you can uh, bet that you are picking the schedule the rest of the way so we can figure this out to see if Mm -hmm. anything has changed in your mind after the win. Um, But we'll get to that in a minute. Now, what I want to know from you is what it says about the long-term future if they don't move anyone. In the case to move Riley Reef for a fifth, even if it's a fifth, 
is, well, A, you drafted Stephon Diggs in the fifth. So you never do know. Um, the other thing is that you can use those for trades in the future, and that's where they come really in handy. So you go, well, let's see, we were losing Riley Reef anyway, so we got a fifth for nothing, and then, hey, we needed to tack on a fifth to get someone good for our future later on, and we gave up nothing for that. Mm-hmm. That's where it's great. I mean, think about, great example, the Baltimore Ravens traded Kari Vedvik for a fifth-round pick, okay. which they sent to the Jaguars to get Calais Campbell. They're pretty happy about making that move, right? So you never know when those are going to come in handy. Um, moving players you're not going to go forward with, to me, is just common sense, um, even if it's going to feel like, uh-oh, the wheels are coming off or we're not really trying to win or uh, however you want to put it. Now, the long term, though, what it says if they don't move anyone, to me it says – and I would hate to do this to my hashtag skull searching. It says we're going to go forward with this model to win like they won with green Bay and not necessarily look at this quarterback crop the way that I've been looking at this quarterback crop. I don't know if you make the connection between the two things, but I do. If you're not selling like crazy now, you're probably not drafting a quarterback. You're probably drafting someone who can help you right away in 2021. And I feel like this is where they've gotten themselves in trouble during the draft over the last few years at times where they pick guys and say, oh yeah, this guy's going to help us right away. Jefferson has, but you know, not the other guys, not, you know, especially um, not Garrett Bradbury. And they were doing that. We're going to get someone to help us right away kind of thing by overdrafting him. And I guess I'm just thinking now at this moment, as we record this and there haven't been trades yet, that those two things are connected. Yeah. I, because you're not going to be in a position like because if you continue to try to push this thing forward, um, and if you win a couple more games, you're going to probably be out of the spot that you want to be in. You're going to probably be in like the mid, you know, low to mid teens, right? Um, you're not getting a quarterback that you think could potentially, you know, take over for Kirk Cousins. I don't think right there. I mean, it's possible, but you know, I think it's also. You're saying, okay, we figured out this solution. It's basically take the ball out of Kirk's hands. Don't, you know, that's not the formula to win here. So you're going to try to ride that thing out for the next two years? Like, you're you're missing the inevitable here. You are going to end up delaying the rebuilding process because we know that's what they're going to have to do. Like, it, it almost feels like they're trying to cut corners with it and be like, look, like our defense is good over here, but it's not so great here, but it's going to be fine because after a year and injuries and et cetera, we'll have cap space, maybe go after another veteran, whatever. It'll be fine. Well, it'll all catch up. I don't believe that. Like, I just, I think that their logic right now is, of course we can't trade Riley Reef. Like, why are we going to like do that to the offensive line again? They're finally playing together. Like they finally yeah. look good even though you didn't draft Ezra Cleveland to play guard, um, no matter what you try to tell yourself, that, you know, it it just like, would you rather, you, he's going to play left tackle regardless. You want him to play right now and get his feet wet in a season that kind of feels like it's teetering on the verge again of being lost, or do you want to go through this whole process again next year? I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's not, you know, it's short-sighted to think like, okay, like we can win with this group right now because you're hurting yourself in the future. You're delaying the process. You're going to have to eventually like grin and bear it. You're going to have to rebuild or at least take a step back because you refuse to take a step back this year. 
and you're kind of forced into it, like it, it could look like it could look a little bit worse before it gets better. And I think that, you know, by trading guys in building for the future, like you mentioned with those fifth round picks, you know, I'd like to see Rick Spielman actually do something with that draft capital, like in the draft, trade up, get to a spot where you're comfortable um, instead of just like utilizing, say, okay, we have more bites at the apple. Like that just hasn't always worked out that way to build a super. It hasn't worked out that way with this draft philosophy to build a Super Bowl team. You haven't had one. Go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen this stuff yet and you've been listening to this podcast, what are you doing? Make sure you go check it out. A couple of my favorite designs. They've got new gritty gear after the Vikings' young superstar receiver and the Duck Duck, Gray Duck, and much, much more. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies, a few of which I have myself. You will love it. We are going to hook you up, by the way, with free shipping on your next order. Use Purple Insider for free shipping. The promo code Purple Insider. That's SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. All right, uh, let's look into the future as the ghosts of, well, Halloween is over. Thanksgiving, ghosts of Thanksgiving future. Okay, the two scenarios here are, one, they trade away everything that isn't nailed down, and let's even include Adam Thielen in that. doesn't sound like that's going okay. to happen, but this is our ghostly look into the future. Okay, so let's look into 2021 and 2020, 2020, 2022. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, ghosts, it was an echo. And um, then we'll do if they don't trade anyone and don't draft quarterback. So if they do trade everyone and draft quarterback versus not. Okay. So the first scenario, they trade everyone and they get back not that great of picks, but some picks. And then they commit themselves to picking a quarterback in the first round and using the draft capital to help them move up if they have to. So if Zach Wilson is there at seven and they're drafting at 10, which is where they sit right now, then they can trade up, as you mentioned. Uh, How do things play out in that scenario in your mind as a ghost of future Thanksgiving? Um, Are we assuming that they're going to hang on to Kirk Cousins this offseason then? Can we just throw – can we get that wrinkle? Yeah, yeah. let's assume that there's just no good way to cut him and that that doesn't make any sense. He's he's the quarterback for at least 2021, but in this case they drafted Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. And at that point you could think that, yes, because once they – you know, if he's a quarterback for 2021, you've already guaranteed his base salary for 2022. So if you want to move on from him – you could probably do it. It's just going to be expensive in terms of dead money at that point, given what he's guaranteed, the proration that was left. Um, but it won't be as catastrophic as doing it before 2021. If they get the quarterback that they want by trading up or having the draft capital to do so, or even being so bad uh, this next however many games to get into the top five, top six, then I think that 2021 will look rough. I, I think it'll be like a seven and nine season at best mm-hmm. at that point. Um, Cause you've got to think about like who they're going to be letting go of on defense too. Right. Um, obviously we don't know anything about Daniel Hunter and that whole situation, but like beyond that, again, I think you have to like realize that you have to like kind of commit to this rebuild one way or the other, but long-term you get to move on and you get to move on from Kirk cousins. Cause if you, I mean, 
to me, Mike Zimmer and what in the way that they played yesterday, like that is showing very much that the way that he thinks that they have to win games is by taking the ball out of Cousins' hands mm-hmm. and relying on Dalvin Cook. Like Cook's comment about like that's my that's Coach Zim ball. Um, yeah. you know how many times they ran in the red zone? Like he's right. Like they they don't want to leave the game up to Kirk Cousins to turn the ball over and you know lose you a game. So. I think the writing's on the wall. They all figure, they all know that that's not the answer at the quarterback position. So by drafting one, you can rebuild there, and then you can actually have somebody you want to build around. Because I think we need to stop kind of having this argument of like, okay, well, if we trade all these players away, we can continue to build around Cousins. Well, how you know they didn't really do that the first three years he was here, right? right? Or two years he was here. Um, but I think that it almost kind of feels like a lost cause because it just feels like it's like, unless you literally hit on every single player that you would put around him, it's just, it's not going to be enough. So I do think it's a, it's the right thing to do. If you were going to go and try to rebuild that you would have to, you know, commit to it and realize you're going to have to take a step back. But beyond that, you could be a very good team 2022 and beyond. The way I look at it is if you draft a quarterback and you get extra draft capital, you can continue to throw darts at the wall in terms of developing other players as they're trying to do now. And they liked how Ezra Cleveland looked. They liked how DJ Wanham looked yesterday against the Packers and so forth. And you can hope for the next run of Daniil Hunters and Everson Griffins and Anthony Harris's that are not high draft picks that you develop into good players and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and so forth, but it takes a while to cultivate them. But your hope would be that you're cultivating them along the way with the idea of having a young quarterback take the spot of Kirk Cousins, and then you spend around him. The Minnesota Vikings ownership is willing to spend. It's a good market. Players like to play here. Players sign long contracts here. And so I think if you had a team on the rise that was willing to spend money, you can go out into the free agent market and fill a lot around your quarterback on a rookie contract. There's a lot of great examples of this, but look how Carson Wentz is without the roster they put around him in 2017, but also look how good he was when they went out into free agency and they got Elshon Jeffrey and they got some players on defense that helped them and they got Torrey Smith. They were able to put a bunch of good players around Carson Wentz. And we've seen this with other teams too. They sign him, they get some injuries and all of a sudden they're not all that impressive of a team anymore, but it shows you that even a non elite quarterback, if he's got that around him and you can spend money to fill those holes, you can still be very competitive and potentially go to a Super Bowl. And I think that would be how it played out. I think you're right that you would not expect a great 2021 season. You could still be competitive and you actually hope Kirk plays really well so you could trade him the year after, but you're still going to have a lot of roster holes as you put young players into these spots. Now, if we go ghost of Thanksgiving future uh, and they don't trade anyone and they trade, try to just have a quick bounce back 
in 2021. Yeah, I think that you end up going like nine and seven in 2021 because there's still going to be holes on the roster and you still won't have enough money to fill them all because other players have to get paid too, like Brian O'Neill. His contract's coming up. Uh, It's going to be hard to unload Anthony Barr's contract if they want to do that. I, I just look at it and say, explain to me how exactly you're a Super Bowl contender in 2021 um, if you just draft, say, a defensive tackle in the first round. I have a tough time seeing that. Uh, yeah, I do too. I I think either way you just kind of realize here that it's not – you have to, like, buy into, okay, it's not going to be great. We actually need to – like, you were face of the rebuild anyways, right? And the three cornerbacks that you let go – in the roster last year are better than any that you have on the roster right now that we knew that was going to happen. Um, so I think that you look at the situation and it's like the pet, which is, which is going to like yield better results long-term, maybe not quicker. Mm-hmm. And if you're not trading guys off, like, you know, I'm always about like, try to get what you can for what you have and do it now, sell high. Like, you know, we were all very bullish on the Vikings this year and thinking that their defense, you know, would be able to overcompensate for the issues. So, like, that hasn't happened. Um, and even Mike Zimmer, like, listen, like, listen how exhausted he was after yesterday, and he was mm-hmm. losing. They were down to, like, two healthy cornerbacks between Harrison Hand and Jeff Gladney, and then um, Josh Metellus was playing some nickel. Like, it was just, like – What's going on? And, like, think about all of the guys that they had, like, all those moves they made on Saturday. Like, some guy named Christian – not Christian Kirk. Kirk something or another. One of their <laughs> – like, uh, Luther. Like, Luther. Luther Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk Franklin? I don't know. Like, I mean, like, I just – that's the point that they're in right now, that they are so decimated by injuries. They're signing guys off the street. Personally, I think that you would continue to go that route for now. And build stockpile that draft capital because you have players that are worth something, but they're not going to be worth anything to you next year. So why wouldn't you try to get value for them now? I just think that they they, they think that they would look like okay, well we have a window, but we're blowing our opportunity to to win. Um, if 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 they look at it that way, it's like is winning one wild card game at best because that's that's probably all I would ever give them. And I'm not even saying they're a playoff team, but like just thinking of how bad the schedule is. Um, is, is that worth it long-term instead of starting the rebuild now, getting Ezra Cleveland where he needs to play, um, figuring it out? It'd be like, you also have to figure out too, like you talk about a quarterback. Do you want Mike Zimmer? Like, is that the leader that you want with a new quarterback? Like is Rick Spielman, the guy that you want leading the charge with your front office? Like that's something that I think they really need to think about if they were going to start selling off assets, because that's, you're bringing in new players and new fresh blood. Do you want like the same regime, same leadership, same voices to be the ones that are, you know, leading the charge? I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that they do. So this might be a weird take on that matter. Um, I, I almost think that if you're going to stick with Kirk Cousins, which the ghosts of Thanksgiving future uh, could see that in if he had a good season in 2021 and then they say, well, our roster's on the rise and Kirk just played really well. Let's give him another contract extension. Now that's uh, haunting. Oh that's yeah. really haunting for some Vikings fans. Um, but if they decide to do that, 
I would say then you don't want Mike Zimmer to be your coach because the first run through of let's give Mike everything he needs and Kirk not everything he needs has not worked. I would actually rather see them hire the young, uh, attractive offensive coach or uh, maybe yeah, just Eric B enemy. I don't know how attractive he's considered, but uh a very good coaching candidate. Let's say you hired him instead. And then you put all of your focus on winning the 2020 style, which is by having a great offense. And I mean, the Packers and Titans are great examples, by the way, of teams whose defenses are absolute garbage and whose offense has still gotten them to be relevant. um, I think so. Even when your defense falters, you can still win. And the Packers had the worst defensive performance yesterday and still almost won. And there's, there's a point there about that. But if you wanted to rebuild with a young quarterback, I have, I, this might sound weird, would have less of a problem with Mike Zimmer doing that because then you could actually win Mike Zimmer's way with the cheap quarterback in the future. Yep. And, and then, yeah, spending on defense and right. other marquee free agents. Right. Sure. <sighs> yeah. I don't, and I don't have any fear of Zimmer ruining a young quarterback because he got along great with Teddy. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got to be the right fit, but, you know, do you, is it going to work elsewhere? Because can you keep up that way? Like when you're not spending big on, on quarterbacks and big key free free agents on the offensive side of the ball, like there's only so few teams that can actually win with defense in this league. Like there really are. And and I know, um, you know, in seeing it around like the Rams, for example, like that's not going to last much longer when your special teams play like that. And you have a quarterback who's turned the ball over four times. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, you know, five and three, whatever they are, and and they beat the Dolphins yesterday. But, like, that's not the formula that I think is going to be sustainable for many teams in the NFL, to be able to get to the Super Bowl and actually win a game there. You know, the Rams are a really good example of what we're talking about with how you can bounce back pretty quickly. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are – when they draft number one the following season, they're an absolutely miserable team, but then they're right back um, to being good in 2017 after a very short time of being down. Even the Miami Dolphins, you have to feel the same way. And uh, in terms of drafting a quarterback this year, you could be looking at the Dolphins as an example of a team that sold off all their parts and everyone went, oh, they're going to be bad for 10 years. And then, nope, they weren't. Because why? They were able to spend a bunch of money in the offseason. Their coverage unit is really good, in part because they gave a ton of money to Byron Jones. And by the way, now Dallas can't cover anyone um, because mm-hmm. they don't have Byron Jones anymore. They like, traded all their defensive players. So right. There, so there's a point there about how you can do this and, and what works effectively. And remember, even Los Angeles, they spent a bunch. They got like Aqib Tlaib and a couple of other guys, uh, Marcus Peters, I think, right? So um, you could just start adding really good players around your young quarterback. That, to me, is the route there. And I I think if you kept Zimmer, it doesn't have to mean necessarily you put everything into defense. Of course not. But you have, um, I think, more of a commitment to the, the all-around. Like, you know, being able to put free agents into defense, free agents into wide receivers or tight ends or offensive line, because you've just got the cash to be able to do it, whereas right now you don't. So uh, that's our ghosts of Thanksgiving. Maybe I should have done a trade deadlines future. Maybe that was the mistake here. Yeah, I mean, by the time this posts, um, let's, you know, there could very easily be a move. But I honestly just don't – I don't have the gut feeling 
that they're going to do much, if anything at all. Like, to me, if, like, I have to re-rank it now, I'd say that they would, you know, of, like, realistic candidates. I think that Harris is number one. Mm -hmm. I'd probably put Rudolph number two. Um, I mean, the guy caught one pass yesterday. He's not being utilized here. Like, he he should go somewhere for these final years of his career, like, where they're going to utilize him. Because they just, you know, we knew this was going to happen. They drafted Irv Smith, like, where they did because he was the heir apparent, and now Kirk isn't even throwing the ball to Kyle. Like, do you want to hang on to him? Like, is it worth the run blocking for that much? Like, when you're going to have to, like, probably release him anyways or work something out, you know, this offseason? So I'd put him at two and then Reef at three, Harrison Smith maybe at four. Um, I still think Thielen's such a long shot because yeah. – you know, if if you trade Thielen and you're basically, like, again, handing in your resume, resignation papers because you take away weapons from Kirk Cousins and you know that you can't do that and expect him to be successful, so you're signing yourself up for not being able at all to consider the possibility of moving on from Kirk Cousins. So The thing with Thielen is that he could be good for so much longer. I mean, I know his age, but the mileage isn't bad. The injury history isn't bad. And the way that he succeeds, I think, considering player health in 2020 – um, like if, if he was good until age 36, I wouldn't even be surprised because he doesn't necessarily ever succeed on just being blazing fast and running by people. I think those are the guys that fade. He doesn't even uh, really um, succeed in being physical in terms of like just pushing people away and boxing them out. It's mostly by just pure route running skill and then having great hands, which I think with someone like Larry Fitzgerald, he's been able to go deep into his 30s and still be good. So I could see that case. Even if you're drafting a new quarterback, you want him to inherit Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and feel really good about that. Um, I have a couple more things for you, starting with I just uh, this you could call it a new game or whatever. But um, let me try to think of how I want it to go. Like, do, 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 do. Let's talk about the young guys. No, that's not good. Um, Okay, it works at the end. You you good recovery. Let's let's analyze young players, maybe. Um, Yeah, about the seven guys that they had to play on defense yesterday. I think each week we should take a look at just all the people who are part of the future and what they meant and – For me, the highlight of the day uh, of that entire game is Ezra Cleveland playing really well. He scored very high by pro football focus, and I started to question how Drew Samia ever played football for the Vikings when Ezra Cleveland was capable of doing something like he did yesterday. Whether he's a left tackle or whether he's a guard, he is talented and probably should have been on the field before, but uh, that was a great sign for Vikings fans who would love an offensive line at some time in the century. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I, th- nope, everything you said, yes. I think that it was a great pick. I would like to see him play his position that he was drafted to play. Um, personally, I think it'd be better to see him play there sooner rather than later because you need to make sure that that spot is shored up and not an issue when Kirk Cousins is your quarterback in 2021. So why not try to work some of those kinks out now? But yeah, no, I think that, you know, the, the downfield blocking, the the run blocking specifically, as we saw so much of it yesterday, like he looked like he was finally getting into a groove. And it was hard, that Atlanta game, because you, know, you throw an interception on the first play of the game, like well, what kind of rhythm are you getting anybody into at that point, let alone your, your mm-hmm. rookie offensive lineman who's starting for the first time. So, um, yeah, I do think that he's, he's in a good spot now, that he's going to be able to 
grow from this. And, you know, eventually we could be talking about him in the same vein that we talked about Brian O'Neill. Even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire and with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast Try Indeed with $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, and futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. How did the rookies play? How about that? That's pretty good. Um, okay. Jeff Gladney, not good. Uh, even though they got the win, not good. And Mike Zimmer went on a full, like, what would Football-y, you call football yeah, I mean, rant. it was it was incredible because we were learn a lot from Mike Zimmer when he gets into teaching mode, but it was a symposium on all uh-huh. the things Jeff Gladney did wrong. And <laughs> yes, the, it was. The, the concerning point on Gladney is that he didn't know where his leverage was on the first touchdown. Zimmer explained that and didn't know where his eyes were supposed to be on the second touchdown by Devonte Adams. It's not like he just got beat by a good wide receiver. It's you weren't technically doing things right. And last time I checked, we're in November now. Like, I mean, you should be making progress with these basic technique things that corners have to do. And Gladney hasn't. So I don't know where to put a panic meter of sorts on Jeff Gladney, but I think that's pretty concerning. I think because this question came up yesterday, like after that second touchdown, um, because that was clearly Zimmer was singing in the production meeting with the Fox crew about like, I tell them to do this and their technique. And like, he's been telling us the exact same thing. And, um, you know, Gladney, you got to figure out at some point, is it the coaching or is it the player themselves? Like who's, if Gladney doesn't pan out to be good, is it Rick Spielman's? fault because he drafted him or is it Mike Zimmer's fault because Mm. he can't he's not buying into the coaching technique I think that's something you honestly have to ask yourself um because you saw it just as well as I did that little flippant like you know thing that he did on the sideline walking past your head coach like personally if that was me like if I was a head coach I'd be really upset about that because like you're gonna like walk past me when I'm trying to give you instruction when I've been telling you to do something one right. way this entire time and you're trash so far like who exactly yeah, you're do you not think good. you are like, right. but it's just like why isn't the coaching 
guy was a first round pick for a reason. Why can't he pick up the coaching technique? Mm. That's something I think you should question. Is it the coaching stuff or is it the player himself? So I always, except for Adam Gase, I'll blame Adam Gase for anything because I sure, think he's the worst he coaching Sure, because he deserves it. Um, I think it's always the player. I think it's always on the player. Um, now there is a point to be made about Antoine Winfield Jr. mixed in here that you could have taken a, a real quick Uber down to TCF Bank Stadium and taken a quick look at how amazing at football that guy was and really seen it coming that he would keep doing that. Could have rode your bike from U.S. Bank Stadium to TCF uh, to see that. So there is some questioning there that every Minnesota football fan knew Antoine Winfield Jr. would be good. And it feels like getting a little cute. Like, no, we've got our guy, okay? And I know it's obvious that you guys think we should draft him, but we've got our guy. Mm-hmm. So there's a little yeah. bit of that. And I'm not calling Jeff Gladney a bust yet, by the way. It's just there's some concerning signs here. Um, but with uh, with Gladney, I think it's entirely on him. Like, Mike Zimmer is going to teach you how to play corner. It's nothing new. It's it's stuff that everybody else has been taught and a lot of other players have succeeded with. Uh, Terrence Newman sure turned out to be pretty good. Xavier Rhodes, good. Trey Wayne's decent. Mackenzie Alexander, good. Like, if you don't get it, it's your fault. It's the same with Treadwell, where we would blame other things for Treadwell. It'd be like, oh, well, maybe they didn't do this or that, or, or you know, maybe they didn't teach him route running. or something. It's, it's not the coaches. If you go bust, it's probably on you. Like Agreed. Agreed with that. Agreed with that I think that we don't want to oversimplify by any stretch how tough it is to play corner and you know you're not just worried about like how guys respond to like the physicality of it and, like grabbing and you know DPI and all the stuff that's called differently in, in the NFL than it is in college I think you know the eye discipline thing Mike Zimmer gave a great answer uh, about like just how tough that is and I mean it's like you're, where your eyes need to be and it's like that's the thing that Jeff Gladney was getting killed for on the Fox broadcast yesterday yeah, yeah. where his eyes are upfield and not where they need to be um, like I think that that's just so blatantly obvious when we can point it out like that either you're not listening or you're trying to do things your own way and you're just not buying in that's on you but like are there better ways to teach it like is it should I'm trying to give both sides benefit of the doubt here. Maybe maybe Zimmer's not teaching it to him the way that it's a receptive way, or maybe Gladney's just like saying, I don't want to do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. And clearly it's not working out. So, right. you know, I think yeah. there's a bunch of different things that we, we just, it's a hard position to play. Don't like, you have to be like an aficionado in this defense, a virtuoso, whatever, <laughs> like to play cornerback for Mike yeah. Zimmer. It is a hard position. It is the key to his defense. And so, you know, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, of course, of course they're not succeeding right now it's very tough but like are there ways that they can like learn like I agree it's November you shouldn't be having issues with technique as much at this point but it's still there so how can you fix that right uh and it did take a while for Mackenzie Alexander to be good and for Xavier yeah, it took Rose him, to took be him good. four years right so um you know like I said don't write him off as a bust but him just trying to walk by Zimmer as he was giving that, him was, coach, that bothered you, me you don't see veterans do that like no. e- even when even guys who have huge contracts who have proven themselves and been in big games and been on the number one defense, they don't just walk by the head coach of the team. So I think that that was a, a concerning look for him because like you said, if he's not listening, then he's not going to get better. And it did take Mackenzie Alexander a while. It's a, it's a tough sport and it's a tough position, but you know, you, you got to show some progress here of knowing simple things like where your leverage is. Like that is really basic. 
Um, and also, you know, Zimmer said these guys have to get a feel for the game too, which is sort of concerning. Uh, let me ask you one thing before we wrap up is just, you picked five and 11 the last time we mm-hmm. ran through, we won't do every game, but is there anything in your mind that changes now down the stretch in terms of how you picked the Vikings? So Kenny Galladay isn't playing. Yep. Uh, I, I saw Flowers is not playing. Our long next quarterback isn't going to get the call. Did you see this? Yeah. It's some other rookie or something. Jay- Luton? I don't know. Probably not long enough. Do you think there's like a neck requirement, like in terms of like girth and length? Yeah, I don't know if the neck correlates well, considering that uh, Mike Glennon is bad and can't even get the start as opposed to a six-round draft pick from Oregon State. So, uh, well, Jacksonville, if he's still playing their six-round pick, that could change. I don't know if we picked a loss there, though. I think we picked a win. So um, do you you still see them as a 5-11 and team? No, and, and that's – and I hate flip-flop, and I really don't think I have flip-flopped. Like, all of it – you know, after the Houston game, I still said they were not going to be very good. Um, I just think that the scenario is perfect for them to get to 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight because the rest of their teams, most of them outside of, like – you know, the Saints were beatable yesterday until the Bears collapsed. Um, the only, like, truly hard, 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 hard game that they have – is against Tampa Bay. The other ones should be winnable, even the Saints game. But, you know, because Drew Brees is averaging, like, 6.3 air yards per attempt, something like that, um, it's not great. And, I mean, it's it's just, like, at this at that point in December, like, how bad are, is their offense going to look? Right. Um, so I judge it based on you're going to probably – you're going to split with Chicago. You probably could beat Detroit twice. So if you beat Detroit twice, there's four. Can you beat Jacksonville? Yes, five. Can you beat Carolina? They show that they're vulnerable in a lot of spots too. Yeah, six. And then can you get like one more maybe against the Saints or the Bucks? Not against the Bucks, maybe the Saints. Seven and nine. I don't I think. Don't I don't think I can. I can't predict higher than seven and nine because you know they're not going to sweep their NFC North opponents. But like yeah. it is a doable schedule. Like realistically, mm. it's manageable, but I can't see more than 7 and 9. I don't see 8 and 8 personally, but The problem is we all thought they would just steamroll Atlanta and then they didn't. Like yeah. that 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 game is coming. I don't know which one it is, but maybe it is Jacksonville, maybe it is Carolina. Maybe it, one of the winnable games they won't win. And you have to win every single one and pull off upsets and that's why your playoff odds are 8% <laughs> because it's just really, really yeah. hard to see. Um, okay. I promise that was the last thing, but fans are tweeting me about the Vikings trading Kirk cousins to the 49ers for Jimmy. I Blanc. know I saw it. Like <laughs> I saw that they moved into IR and like, why hasn't anybody called yet? Like, I don't know, man. They're like in a bad situation with injuries. Like, yeah. but honestly you could send Kyle Rudolph there. George Kittle's going to be on IR yeah. for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, do they need to know that they've just got Trent Williams because the Vikings failed to get Trent Williams. So it's not like they could unload Reef there. Um, I can't see John Lynch trading his franchise quarterback for Kirk Cousins. I just can't see it. Like the guy just took you to the Super Bowl. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you tell the ownership or the other players on the team, like, hey, yeah, we're actually going to go get this 500 quarterback as opposed to the guy who's, what, 24 and 8 in his career and took us to a Super Bowl. Like, BRB, uh, plus there's a lot of <laughs> – plus there's – like, they don't have a good cap situation either. So no, I'm not they sure don't. how exactly you're working that out. But 
care, uh, you know, dare to dream. And uh, also people should look forward to more skull searching. We're not stopping. Um, actually, intern Paul is working out some interviews to talk to people who cover our skull searching quarterback. So do you see any Zach Wilson? Exciting. I know. I know. Good. I mean, there's, there's, I got to start draft scouting soon. So mm-hmm. yes, Courtney, our draft scout will return early this year. I have a feeling. So yeah. uh, Courtney, great stuff as always. And maybe there'll be emergency podcasts sometime. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out.